I guess I can't scientifically explain what goes on in my brain or in my heart when um, when I am given the opportunity to teach, but I think the most satisfying part of the teaching experience is seeing that little light bulb go off in somebody's head that I gave them, um, you know, I gave them knowledge that they are going to, that's going to impact their future in photography for their entire future career, how long they decide to take it, however long they decide to take it. And that, you know, who knows, maybe that that person's going to be the next Ansel Adams. I don't know. But knowing that I affected them in some sort of way um, and that they'll move that forward in a way that they choose to is incredibly satisfying. Welcome to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I'm your host, Kenna Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of your favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. Listen, get inspired, and discover why in the end, your creative journey is all worth it. Erica Robinson is a photographer, educator, tour leader, adventurer, and a national technical rep with Tamron USA. Photography has taken her to 11 countries, 50 states, and as she says, too many cities to count. Her career spans multiple facets of the photo industry, from being a photographer for a major cruise line, assisting Boston's top wedding photographers, and building her technical chops working retail sales at her local camera store. When not attached at the hip to her camera, you could find Erica lifting heavy things, running, hiking, writing, or simply enjoying the world. This is We Are Photographers with Erica Robinson, and this is her story. Erica, how are you today? Tell me where uh, I am, where you are right now. And, um, you know, as we are recording, uh, it is a very different time uh, than we thought it might be. So uh, coming from my home to your home to everybody else in the world. (laughs) Yes, hi, Kenna. Um, I am currently in my uh, apartment here in San Diego, California, um, I am extremely fortunate. The weather is beautiful here, so I'm I'm happy to be out here this way. Um, and yes, thank you so much for having me. As you know, I was extremely flattered when you asked me to be on your show. I enjoy uh, listening to your show constantly. So thank you so much for having me. This is a, a total honor. Oh, well, I'm happy to do it. Um, I love your story as I've gotten to know you over the years and um, just think that there are some amazing things that I want to share about your story with the community. Um, So, okay, so let's be real. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, You travel a lot, (laughs) whether it's for work or pleasure, um, you travel. So, where would you be right now if if you were not if we're not both you know sheltering in place? Um, so I I definitely spend about eighty five percent of my life, if not more, on the road, um, both for uh, work and for pleasure because I, I genuinely enjoy every bit of travel uh, from the start to to finish. So I enjoy all of it. Right now, um, I know that I had. Uh, quite a few events scheduled around the country. I had an event in Minnesota, um, uh, 
couple of events out east. So I know that unfortunately all of those has have have been canceled. Um, but at this point, it is for the better. I definitely understand that this social distancing and sheltering in place is extremely important. So uh, thanks to actually everybody listening, because that means that you're practicing social distancing with us too. So um, yeah, exactly. if, I, if I wasn't here, I'd be on the road. <laughs> So let's talk about your life on the road, your life as a road warrior, your life as a Tamron uh, USA rep. What does that even mean? What do you do? Um, And then we'll talk about (laughs) how you're adjusting for the times. Sure. Um, So being a national technical representative with Tamron, what that means um, is that I I get to educate. So I travel nationally and I get to educate all students on all genres of photography, um, getting to to connect from macro photography to travel photography to portrait photography, uh, literally every genre. We run multiple different tours every year as the tech team uh, separately, and then we also support all of our sales reps. So our sales reps are uh, regional. They have a specific piece of the country that they cover, and we go out and support them for any event that they are running. Um, if they want to do a macro event June 16th in Idaho, I go to that macro event June 16th in Idaho. Um, and there, there are, my team is a team of nine, including my, my boss. Um, and we all work so well together because we are all so completely different. Um, and that's the best part about working on this team is getting to learn from each person that I work with. So there's nine of us kind of scattered around the country at all times. (laughs) So uh, there was a time when you were in the Pacific Northwest and you were (laughs) driving the Tamron van at that point um, to various locations, going to uh, educate, run workshops, all of it. Uh, And I just, I love this visual image of you driving this van around by yourself uh, that's got (laughs) Tamron plastered all over it. Uh, What is that like? I loved that thing. <laughs> um, so at the time, we were running what was called the Tamron Mobile Learning Center. Um, and yes, it was literally a van, a bright blue van that uh, drove around the country um, like a giant relay race, basically. So each of us, nine techs, um, two of us would fly into that state uh, that we were supposed to be teaching in, teach our classes, and drive the van to its next stop. The two other techs would fly in teach, pick up the van, go on to the next stop because I like a, a giant relay race. Um, I loved it. I got to uh, not only, of course, teach ev- incredible people and run some really great, great classes, um, but I saw some of the best parts of the country that I never would have been able to see otherwise. Drove some roads that um, I didn't know existed and found some great places to eat. Randomly, one of my favorite sandwich shops uh, is in Topeka, Kansas. Yep. Uh, Never would have thought that would be a sentence in a million years. Um, But there's, I think it's called the wheelbarrow. Um, Now I'm a vegan now, so I don't eat cheese, but they had the best grilled cheese. (laughs) That's what I was just going to ask you was what was your go-to sandwich there? Should somebody find themselves in Topeka, Kansas? (laughs) Oh, definitely get that grilled cheese. Grilled cheese, cup of tomato soup. You cannot go wrong. Now is really a time for comfort food. So (laughs) I can see. Oh, that's for sure. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So again, like you've got, you've gone to every state in the country. 
tell me about an experience that was super unexpected um, and take us to whether it's a a night sky um, in, you know, leading an astrophotography workshop or, um, or just a simple interaction with somebody that was meaningful to you? Sure. Um, so I have a plethora of stories, um, but I think one of my favorites, um, a couple of years ago when we had the, the Tamron Mobile Learning Center, um, I found myself on a drive uh, by myself finishing from one tour to the next. My coworker had to head out for another event, um, and I'm more than happy to drive the van because I get to sit and listen to podcasts and drive the country, so I was completely fine with that. Um, but I had asked my boss if I could kind of do the long way around this, this trip and go through um, Rainier, Mount Rainier National Park. And I had never been there before. I thought, okay, well, I have, you know, all my gear with me. I can go in and shoot, drive through, and still get out the next day. Um, I park at the the open space where I think it's called Mirror Lake, um, where you can see the reflection of Rainier in the lake that's in its foreground. Um, and of course, I get there on an absolutely gorgeous day, and the reflection in the lake is stunning. So I... Um, I take out some gear, I start taking some pictures, and I decided that I wasn't really going to go hike too far, um, that I was just enjoying that spot. I was going to spend my time there. And as kind of the day went on closer towards sunset, um, there was quite a few people that came into the parking lot and joined to do the same thing, to to view the situation, to shoot, to to just enjoy it. And there was a group of people that I noticed kept looking over at the van and slowly but surely, I end up with a group of nine people that came over to the van, uh, and, and I ended up teaching like a little mini class right outside of the van because they're like, oh, what are you doing here? Why is Tamron here? I have Tamron lenses. I would love to hear about things. So I ran like a half-hour class just outside, and I brought out some lenses, and we played around, and then I ended up spending uh, the entire afternoon there with them, and then as people dispersed, there was only about three of us left, myself and two other people, um, and we stayed to shoot the night sky over Rainier that night and just sat there in front of the van down by the lake. And they were so sweet and helped me get home okay, which was very nice of them. Um, and I just had a technical snafu and my light fell off. So I can fix that. If you I want. saw that. Yes. Um, <laughs> let's get that. Let's get that light back right, up. Get that back on. <laughs> this is uh, the beauty of all of us. This is the beauty of all of us just working and broadcasting um, from, like I said, our homes to yours. Uh, We've all got sort of makeshift stands and using books and uh, boxes and all kinds of things. um, Hey, got to make it work, right? Yeah, to make it work, to make it work. So you're making it (laughs) work, Erica. You're making making Uh it work. (laughs) Sorry about that. No, Um, don't be, don't be. Um, So... Let's go back to, so I remember, actually, I remember you having that experience um, out there and hearing the story. And what that shows to me is just, first of all, you're such a positive person and you really do exude joy for photography like nobody else. Um, You really do. And when I run into you in conferences or what have you, like, it's just... I don't know. It's just so much joy. Um, And I read on your website um, that you say, my hope is that with one little tip or story, because you're also a writer, uh, it will encourage you to explore, dare you to dance with a stranger, 
or inspire a new challenge in your photography and travel journey. So what is it about teaching other people that brings you so much joy? You know, I I guess I can't scientifically explain what goes on in my brain or in my heart when um, when I am given the opportunity to teach, but I think the most satisfying part of the teaching experience is seeing that little light bulb go off in somebody's head that I gave them, um, you know, I gave them knowledge that they are going to, that's going to impact their future in photography for their entire future career, how long they decide to take it, however long they decide to take it. And that, you know, who knows, maybe that that person's going to be the next Ansel Adams. I don't know. But knowing that I affected them in some sort of way um, and that they'll move that forward in a way that they choose to is incredibly satisfying. So. And I love the bit about daring to dance with a stranger. So is that, have have you found yourself dancing with strangers? What what does <laughs> let's go from you know Rainier to another part of the world? Um, yeah. Let's go to Italy. Uh, yeah, know, absolutely. Are there, are there experiences um, from journeys there um, that you found yourself doing or experiencing through photography? Because you have a passion for not just the photography itself, but the experience that it brings to you. Because you and I are very similar in that. Oh, oh, absolutely. We've we've had this conversation. <laughs> this is what makes us great friends. Exactly. So, so take us to a moment in Italy where you did something like daring to dance with a stranger. Oh boy. Um. So, I th- I think there's been there's definitely been multiple instances, and one thing that one thing that I've definitely grown to understand is that there seems to be at least far more good people than bad. Right. Um, and I know, I definitely understand that I I'm an approachable person. I've been told that I'm approachable as far as people will be willing to talk to me, which I, uh, which I love because I'm happy to hear out someone's story from start to finish. Anything that you want to tell me, I will keep that or I will share that. And that's, that's your choice. Um, but Oh man, one story. Let's see. So, so Italy. One thing that comes to mind, both stranger and not, um, is that my one of my best girlfriends growing up. Um, she is she's originally from Italy. Uh, her family's from Italy, at least. And when we were kids, she always used to joke about this little tiny town uh, where her family grew up or her mom grew up that um, everyone knows you're there or everyone knows if you're in town because you flush the toilet. That's how small it is. Everyone just, you can hear everything that's going on. Everyone knows everyone. Um, And I used to joke with her when we were kids, you know, take me to Prata, take me to Italy. I really want to go see it. And she's she's an incredible workaholic. uh, So we didn't have time to go when we were younger. But a couple of years ago, she said, um, you know, Erica, let's make a trade. Uh, If I take you to Prata, will you take me to Iceland? Because I had been to Iceland multiple times. I said, Absolutely. No questions asked, of course. Um, so what we find out a couple of weeks before we go, um, this was last uh, last April, I believe, um, that her entire family is coming with us. Her uncles are going to be there. Her cousins are going to be there. Her mom's going to be there. And it's going to be uh, for a festival um, that happens every year that week in, in April. And 
this this person isn't necessarily a stranger. So uh, my friend Nadia's mom, Thomasina, um, she's definitely not a stranger. I grew up what I thought knowing her and I thought knowing her well. Um, but as she gets to town, as we meet her in town, she just lights up and she just becomes this person that I I didn't I didn't get to know. And now I get to see a whole nother side of her. So I didn't plan on coming up with any stories, being there. I just planned on photographing it and the festival and everything. But she became my story. She became my subject because she was, uh, you know, I've, I've told this to her before. She's like the OG of that town. Everyone knows her. She's the original, right? And uh, she starts to walk me around town and tell me about the uh, old buildings. And we were, we were staying in the home that she was born in, that she grew up in. Um, and so she's telling me how she was actually meant to run in the, I think it was the 1983 Olympics. She was a runner um, and she ended up not. She was staying home with her family and uh, she showed me the destruction that happened during one of the earthquakes that hit there really badly. Um, so no, it may not necessarily be dancing with a stranger, but it definitely opened opened my eyes up to this person that I I thought I knew on a level. And now I just find out all of these incredible things about her. So uh taking it to that level with someone. And that then became an actual photo story that you were inspired to create. Um, Oh, very much so. And so allowing, yeah, her allowing you in um, and, and not, like you said, I love that not knowing that that was going to be a full photo project, uh, but finding yourself there. So I want to talk about another photo project of yours um, that, is I think super meaningful um, and an ongoing personal project as so many of us have, you know, long-term ongoing personal projects that when we have the opportunity to, to actually work on them um, that, that we do. But one of yours is the faces of uniform and photographing women in the military in different parts of the world. So tell me about the origin of, of this project. So the origin of the face of the uniform um, was actually quite a few years ago now. I want to say it was eight, eight or nine years ago. Um, but I had traveled to Israel um, on my birthright trip, and uh, my family is Jewish, so I traveled to Israel on my birthright trip. Um, and when I came home, my grandfather had said to me, "You know, well, you are." Uh, I think this was before the trip, actually. He said, you have family in Israel. Did you know that? I said, well, not, not really. No, I didn't. Um, and so I ended up, long story short, reaching out to them. Um, I have cousins there and uh, my cousins and their kids, actually. And I found out that my youngest cousin, she, uh, they're both, she's military. Her brother is also military. Um, I, my, my dad was Navy in the past. Um, I had just strong connections to military at that time in my life. Um, and I, in my head, needed a way to um, express express the fact that I I wanted to be attached to the military in some way, but because I never joined, and I, I actually planned on a long time ago, and I didn't, um, but I wanted some way to share someone else's story, to um, let it be known that your story is important, even if you just feel small, like you are in this, you know, cog of, of, um, of, a, of a machine, right? So I 
kind of narrowed it down to wanting to work specifically with military women because I was fascinated that um, there are certain countries, of course, that you um, you have to join the military, you're required to, and others that you don't, but you still volunteer to. So why did you choose to volunteer? Or if you are required to do so, how do you feel about requ- being required to do so? Do you feel like you are important as a female soldier? Do you feel like you are strong? Do you feel like people... Um, people uh, respect you. All of these things as a female in everyday life is complicated, never mind doing it for the military. So um, I started that in Israel uh, and I wanted to, of course, photograph my cousin first and I was not allowed to because she is in intelligence. So um, I was told absolutely not. So I I couldn't photograph her, Um, but she did introduce me to so many incredible young women. And I so far have photographed um, seven women there um, in Israel, and I, I decided that I was going to bring it to multiple different countries because I was traveling all the time. So I would go to, um, I, I've worked with women here in the States, uh, a friend of mine actually that I knew from high school, and then some friends who have been just connected. And that's another great thing is that you start to be connected with other people. It's, you know, oh, I can connect you with this person, or I think this person would be great for your story, or, um, and they they kind of come to you in the sense of, they want to share their story. And that's a beautiful thing as well when somebody wants to share their story. So I consider you a very strong person as well um, in in a variety of ways. And so one of the things that I read um, on an Instagram post about this project was you saying uh, women's strength comes in all forms, not just physical And the word strength gets thrown around often, but with these women, I'm replacing strength with power. And you said there's powerful in their minds, bodies, and souls. Talk to me about strength for you personally, um, and whether that's, again, the physical, we'll we'll share with people one of the (laughs) things that you're most passionate about being CrossFit, but- um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) uh, But- so you're you're powerful in all of those ways, but how does strength differ from power for you personally? Um, I think it is the ability to be self-aware enough to control the control your your feelings, to control your thoughts and how you how you put those thoughts out into the world or how you keep them inside, how you handle them, kind of D all of the above. Um, and I think that one of the things that I've um I found myself kind of struggling with a bit on being on the road so often um is the difference in a female traveler versus a male traveler and the questions that I would get and that I still get to this day. Um, And one of the ones that I get more often than not actually is, oh, you're, you're on the road so often you're, you're, you're always traveling. You must not have a a family. You must not have a significant other. Right. Uh, And that, that to me is First of all, that's that's none of your business. That's a, uh, a a pretty personal question to ask. And second of all, do you ask male colleagues that? Do you ask men on the road if they have a family and a significant other? You certainly don't. So why is it that you are asking me? Um, and so I I definitely caught myself struggling with that uh, more often than not. But I just actually recently um, came up with the you know well I don't I don't think I need to talk about that. 
And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes people just get offended that I don't want to talk about it. Um, but I'm not trying to be rude in saying that I don't want to talk about it, but it's also um, I find it odd that it's a question that's asked in the first place. Um, so that I think in, in, in when, I'm, when I'm talking about kind of the, the power that you have over the, those things, um, you do have the power to answer a question, to not answer a question. You have the power to um, sit with your feelings and understand those feelings and uh, how you want to put them out into the world. And so I think that's, that's, that's become more, more important to me with power. So let's talk about the physical strength side. <laughs> Um, take me to what it's like to be part of a CrossFit family. I was also reading something where you said um, we talk in code um, <laughs> and other people think we're crazy. Um, what is the, yeah. <laughs> what does strengthening your body, which is a huge priority for you? Um, what is that like? Why is that important to you? Um, I, I need to stay active all the time. Well, I was a I was a competitive swimmer for close to twenty years, actually, growing up up through graduating college. Um, so that was a really big part of my life. But for some reason, after college and after that, I like never wanted to get in the pool again. It's like, well, I've stared at the bottom of the pool at a black line for the past twenty years for like six hours a day. I'm all set. Let's move on. Um, so I got into CrossFit and I got into more of like the the only lifting side of things. Um, what does because that really mean? Like, uh, only lifting is uh, Olympic weightlifting. And I say Olympic weightlifting, but I'm not like, clearly I'm not going to the Olympics. So I don't want people to think that by any means, but that's just the title of it. Um, but it's the more, uh, technical aspect of your lift and trying to, to, to pursue that lift, uh, heavier, not just doing 75,000 reps of one thing, but, uh, to pursue that lift in a technical way and to perfect it in that way. Um, but I love, I love having CrossFit on the road because I've stopped into over a hundred gyms at this point in my CrossFit career, um, both domestically and internationally, actually. I stopped into gyms in Germany, in Israel, uh, in Iceland, um, oh, where else? Quite a, yeah, Norway, quite a few places. So there's, it's, it's a great community because regardless of what language you speak, like I said, when we speak in code, everything's actually written out in like, um, like a lot of times you'll see pull up written as P-U, right? Or like it, <laughs> people would probably think we're completely nuts if you see it all written out in, in letters, but it makes sense to us. So regardless of what language you speak, you're still trying to perfect that same movement we're still doing the same physical activity. So you actually don't need much language at all. You can communicate by a laugh, a smile, um, a, a hand gesture, and anything. So it is it is easy to communicate through the CrossFit language. <laughs> so let's take that into photography and communication and not speaking the same language. And um, right before you right before this pandemic sort of blew up and things got locked down uh, travel wise you were in cuba right before then i was and yeah. and so i would love to talk about cuba a little bit uh you and i <laughs> of are both you and i are both um 
very passionate about the Cuban people, bringing people there um, to on photography tours or workshops, and um, both sort of fell in love with the Cuban people and culture upon upon going there. And I I was just um, talking with a friend Kim who has also been to to Cuba multiple times, and she was observing that right now some of the things that we're experiencing um, here in the United States, long lines outside the supermarket, empty shelves, um, just a, a lot of things where we don't have access to goods that we maybe thought we always would. Um, and so what I believe about the Cuban culture that I've always loved about it is that innovation and creativity, that everything is solvable there. Um, there's, they're so creative from an art standpoint. Um, so talk to me about innovation in Cuba. Absolutely. So, um, when you, when you mentioned, you know, them being able, or, or the Cuban people being able to, um, to just kind of roll with the punches in a sense, they, not only do they absolutely do that, but they do it without complaint. You will never, ever hear anyone complain about a situation. They just make it work um, and they enjoy life as best that they absolutely can. And that is something that is so humbling. And I think actually my, so my, my travel home from Cuba that day um, was a 22-hour travel day. I was completely wiped by the time I got home. And I realized a lot of that was due to completely, it was like culture shock. I had, you know, been in Cuba with my, my Cuban friends that I now call family. They are my family a hundred percent. Um, and it was just, it was such an enjoyable time and I was 100% safe there. And I was always informed on what was going on both by my host home and the guys that we drive with. Um, and coming back to almost, almost chaos, you know, it was seeing arriving into the U S in Florida. I went to go get lunch. I went, just went over to Trader Joe's, went to see if I could go grab lunch and it being not only empty, but everyone wearing masks and there being like this, this just very heavy weighted tension between people and movements. And it was definitely a, a stressful way to arrive back home. And, um, uh, but but you know back to back to kind of the the Cuban people I it's incredibly humbling spending time with them it is incredibly genuine and it is incredibly natural and I I can't I actually have an upcoming project that I'm hoping to do back there quite soon so we could chat about that too um, but I I love being there they're such wonderful people and it's a gorgeous place. Of course. I mean, for, for photographers everywhere, uh, it is somewhere that I think it's a, com well, what, what makes it so fascinating for you from a photography perspective? So from a photography, for a uh, photography perspective, it is, uh, of course it is, it's different, right? It's, it's different than what I see on a daily basis. So it's obviously, um, you know, visually interesting. It's very 
it's it's eye catching for people to look at because it's just there's these you know beautiful pastel colors and yes there is um, you know broken buildings and busy streets and cars that we haven't seen here in in years so that is very different but what I've actually come to conclude is that I want to still. I want to continue with projects working with the people that I know there, specifically with one human and he knows who he is. Um, But I want to understand what it's like growing up in Cuba, not just your, your current life now, but what it was like for you growing up. And this person has two girls. He has two young girls um, and he is actually our lead guide for our programs. And, uh, I don't use this word lightly because I think it it's just not my favorite word ever, but um, I think that the human race is genuinely blessed to even have him as a human. He is so intelligent and so kind and so genuine, and I want to work on deeper projects with him understanding his side of the world and, and to life. So yes, it's visually appealing, but I don't want to just show the broken streets and um, the busy buildings and the cars and all of that. There is so much more there than just that. And I think a lot of people have to look past that surface layer now and understand that, you know, these are human beings. They're not people in a zoo. And we can't just well, that goes with with traveling anywhere and being in anybody's new country. You have to understand that you're breathing the same air, and we are we are all connected by this same DNA. So let's let's have let's connect on that level and let's talk about that. And that's something that I want to pursue with uh, with my friend in Cuba. Yeah. So there are a number of things uh, in what you just said that I want to kind of go a little bit deeper into. Um, for me, again, if people don't know, I've traveled to Cuba quite a lot as well. I think I've been there 12, 13 times now. Uh, and, <laughs> and, I, me. <laughs> and, and I always say, like, every time I go there, I'm peeling off another layer of an onion, if you will, to um, try to understand, um, as you know, you do with anywhere you travel to. But once you can keep returning, uh, then you, like you said, you get further past um, just wanting to photograph, you know, cars and and all of that type of thing in Cuba specifically. So how does photography then allow you to go deeper in telling somebody's story? Like when you're approaching this project, what is the storytelling aspect or how, how do you plan to use the the photography aspect in that? Well, so I think that photography allows me the ability to, it allows, it allows everyone the ability to share, right? We can share and it's how we grow. It allows us to explore. It allows us to pursue these other avenues that we may not have known existed because a lot of times our stories grow so much deeper when we start them and they end up in a place that we didn't expect because we're still learning, right? Um, my end goal with this particular project, working with my friend in in Cuba, is to, uh, yes, I want to get published and I want to, um, I want this story to be available for people to, to read and to visually see and take in on their own. But as much as, yes, you know, that's, that's, it's great to get published for me. Like, yes, that would be an honor. But at the same time, I want, I think it's more important for me that 
the person that I'm photographing knows that they are important. I think it's more for them and more for um, more for allowing them to know that people are listening and that they're important. And again, we're not just that little. You're not just this little tiny ant, and you're you're not you're not just a number. And I think that as exciting as it would be for me to get this story out there, it's more for the people. Does that make sense? Does, yes, it that- does. And it's a, no, <laughs> okay. it does completely. And it's a beautiful way to think about then how you're approaching whatever that storytelling is, is it's a two way, it's a two way process. So it's, it's, born out of this, you know, connection between you and the subject. Um, so uh, the other thing that I wanted to address, because I get this question a lot, I do a lot of travel photography as well, is how do you go about entering a country, entering a culture that you're not as familiar with, and combining this respect for people with your wanting to create images um, that are unique and and highlighting the that person say, but also you know there is a lot of times people feel like they are. I don't want to treat this person like I'm there, like I'm in a zoo, like you said. Right. Um, what has the balance been f- for you, and how do you approach that in your photography? You know, I think I think that takes time. I do. I don't think it is an instant. Um, at least for me, it's not, it's, it's not an, an instant option. Um, and I also, yes, I want the, I want that photograph, right. As photographers, we want, we do crave that photograph, but at the same time, I'm not willing to encroach or intrude on somebody's life to a point where they're uncomfortable or they don't, they don't want this because this is their story ultimately. Right. Um, so I'm not willing to, to take the photograph over the human, um, but I think that, you know, specifically, let's say traveling in Cuba, right? Um, I'm extremely fortunate that the when I run photo tours there, um, our guide and the person that I'm going to be photographing mostly he does speak he does speak English, um, so I'm extremely fortunate in that way because my Spanish is eh, so so. Um, my uncle is actually from Guatemala and he's helping me learn, um, and he's still pretty mad at me that I haven't learned yet. Um, but, <laughs> um, but I do think that I want to, you know, I'm going into to your country and invading your life. I need to do the best on my end to, uh, understand and respect your culture and your language. And, um, you know, if I'm going to try and learn your language, I will. And I wish I could know every language and I, I don't. So if there is a place that I'm going, um, I will have a fixer in that place so that, I, I can have the ability to get my thoughts across properly to somebody because I never want them to think that I'm doing something out of you know malice or I, I don't have any bad intention with anything. But things can come across not right when you uh, don't speak the same language. So um, so yes, in those instances, I would I would have a fixer that would be able to help support. And that's always. I mean, it's just like when you are traveling and that you know somebody, it makes the experience just so different if you're traveling to a foreign country, but you have a a connection there um, to really experience life. I mean, you could never be, like neither of us will ever be Cuban, uh, but, um, but 
maybe at heart. Uh, but so, so it's this <laughs> like using photography to kind of understand cultures, you know, and the world. Um, okay. So another thing that I love about what you uh, write about on your website is as one of the things that you do is uh, so- solving humanity's greatest problems in my head. <laughs> you so, know, <laughs> so, well, so if I yeah. can stop you there just for yeah, a second, please. So now that we are home in these situations where, you know, I'm trapped in my 10 by 10 cube, right? Um, I have actually never felt more connected to the world. I wanted to throw my phone off the balcony the other day because I've been so attached to my phone and my laptop and everything. Um, I've always done my best thinking in the shower, right? But now I spend extra long time in the shower because I feel like I don't have to answer to anybody. So I solve the world's problems in the shower constantly. I I think that's a great (laughs) point because of two things. I mean, yes, right now we're hyper-connected from a technical standpoint, um, but it it can be overwhelming because of the the stresses that and, and additional anxiety and things that we all are feeling, um, it just kind of, it, it, everything is different and amplifying things differently. Um, I think the shower is a brilliant place. So many ideas come in the shower. It's genius. But, <laughs> but what are the sort of the global, I guess, you know, greatest problems that that you do think about most <laughs> as a as a human being inhabiting you know this world, um, and and Ooh. feeling strongly about you know thinking about ways that we can each as an individual influence things that that matter to us most. What matters to you most? Wow, Ugh, that's a big one, Kenna. <laughs> um, you know, I I think that there's I I think that there's a lot. We can do better as a people. I do. I think that we can do better. I think that, um, as, I, as I said earlier, I think that there is more good than bad in the world. Um, and things like that do, you know, come out in, in times like this. And even like it jokingly, if you look at uh, John Krasinski online right now is doing um, good news, right? All good news. Um, and people are sharing good news. So there are good stories going on. Um, and that's what I want to portray in my photography too, is that, um, is that it's, it's real and raw, whether it's good or bad, is that I don't want to you know, edit my photos to a point where they're not real anymore. Because if I can't trust my photography, what can I trust, right? Um, but I think as far as what, what issues I solve when I'm uh, thinking about these crises that are going on, um, let's see. Uh, animal cruelty. Animal cruelty is a big one. Um, all of my makeup products or uh, soap products or anything that I use is all cruelty free because I don't see why you have to test on a beagle before I put eyeliner on my eyes. Um, I, I I think our system is flawed in that way. So thinking about thinking about ways that small ways that I can make a difference. Um, back to you know, language. I think that if we were all to, if I was to do better when I was younger in school at learning different languages, um, I would be able to communicate with people in a way that changes those little misunderstandings. Because little misunderstandings happen when you when you don't have that ability to communicate and um, 
I think a lot of the world's problems would be solved if we were able to communicate on that level. Um, oh boy, what else do I try and solve? I mean, I just, it's, I think it's a, cur- <laughs> a curious question because yeah. it's, it's interesting to hear what, um, what people, what is most meaningful to people. And I think right now, you know, right now, I think we're all, that's hopefully the silver lining, right? Is we're all rediscovering what matters to us most. Um, it's a, it's a very forced, hard reset. And I think that it, I think that we're starting to, you know, understand at least that this is real. It is a, a reset, take it seriously. Um, and let's, let's, not be in such a rush. I saw a quote the other day that really stuck with me. And of course, I'm going to butcher it now. It's not going to be as good. But um, is to, you know, not to, while you're so busy trying to chase to get back to that normal, figure out what parts you want to be normal and and only go back with those, right? So um, I think in this time of in this time, we need to focus on what we want to be our future normal. Take time with that. And so what, what has changed for you? What, what do you think is your new normal or what are you, what do you think you might be letting go of or, or picking up again? What are some things that, that you you're discovering about yourself right now? Um, well, so one of, one of my downfalls is always impatience. I'm, I'm not the most patient person in the world. Um, but I have tried to be much more patient over the years. And I think, uh, especially the first week coming home right from Cuba, um, and knowing that I was literally coming into a lockdown, um, I took some time to reorganize my life. Uh, I took some time to reorganize, uh, specifically all of my images and, um, all of my, my photo gear and, you know, being on the road 85% of the year, unfortunately that takes a toll on the stuff that I have. Right. So I went through and I cleaned everything. Um, I actually, I'll nerd out for a minute. I set up a new Synology system, uh, which is a NAS, uh, system so that I can oper- I can access all of my files from the road. So if I'm at a hotel, I can access everything from a uh, uh, a live uh, internet link instead of having to drag around 15 different hard drives with me because that gets heavy. Um, so I spent the first three days importing everything and reorganizing everything into that. And that is such a good feeling when that's all done because if my apartment blows up, I can still have everything when I'm in Ohio somewhere and because my photos are most important to me. These stories are most important to me. So I took some time to reorganize that and that was a huge weight off my shoulders. Um, It did also remind me to get back to the stories that are most important to me. So uh, maybe bring back the Faces of the Uniform Project, Um, connect with family that I haven't uh, connected with in a while just because, you know, things that life and things have been busy um, and to, you know, my sister's, my sister's on the East coast, my sister's back in Rhode Island. Um, and never would we do a workout via zoom or via FaceTime and Skype and all of that. So, uh, you know, now that we're doing that, maybe it's something that I can implement with her. Well, I don't know, once every couple of weeks where I can just see her and talk to her, um, because she's super important to me. So realizing the things that are important, and also understanding that my family is on the East Coast. And for me, at the slightest cough, my car is packed and I am across the country. So um, I'll, I'll, I will go back if I have to. But. Mm. 
Yeah. I think it's, yeah, <sighs> again, going back to Cuba is like the the ways that people are now starting to innovate and, and realize what does matter most. And I think that's, you know, part of that. I don't know. I, I just always come back to that um, spirit of everything is solvable. Um, yes. And, and that if we can all maintain that right now, um, that will, I mean, not, you know, this is hard, you know, this oh, is. Oh yeah. This is very hard. This is hard. I completely agree. Yep. I completely um, agree. But again, finding that hope in challenge is is also, I don't know. It's a roller coaster every day, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I'm extremely grateful for what I have in this time. You know, and our my, my grandfather, of course, that, you know, wise guy when we were kids, you know, saying, Oh, just be glad that you have your health. Be glad that you have your health, right? And I never understood that until getting older. And uh I believe that is so true. You know, I am I am so fortunate that right now I am happy and healthy and I have a wonderful career and I love the team that I work with. Uh, my boss is an incredible person. Um, I have cabinets full of food right now. Um, and, you know, I've a couple of times gone over to check on. I have a couple of neighbors, uh, elderly neighbors next door, so I went to make sure they were good. Um, but, you know, I am, I am fortunate, so why can't I – pass that along to someone else and support them in their time of need. You know, if she needs groceries, if she needs somebody to go, I'll go for her because I can, I can handle this type of situation. She can't. Um, so just pay back those little things because a little thing matters to somebody and then they're going to pay it forward to somebody else. And it's this beautiful chain reaction of, of paying it forward. Um, so yes, we are in a tough time. Absolutely. But it's definitely another humbling event to make you realize how good how, how good I do have it and to pay that forward to somebody else I agree I agree and 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 again it's beautiful to see what people are doing um, all over the world to help and gosh the, acknowledging every day that the people on the front lines um, who are putting their their lives at risk uh, is has is humbling to say the least as well. Um, okay. I want to spin it around. Let's get positive again. Okay, not that, not, not that that's not positive, <laughs> uh, but I guess, you know, co- coming to a close photography has been in, uh, it has been sort of the forefront of, of what you have focused your life and career on. Um, I know you say since you were 17 and got your first Minolta. Yep. What has photography taught you about humanity and the human spirit um you know my my camera is a great um is a great icebreaker right um you see a camera and you know everyone knows what a camera is Right. So uh, they know they're either going to be photographed or they're going to talk about the camera or something. Something is there. Right. Um, But photography for me has been just this incredible light to help me voice opinions, to help me, again, share other people's stories, share my own stories, um, and to bring back the fact that 
you know, or just, just to be a relatable person, to bring back the fact that we are all human. Um, it helps me grow. It helps me explore. And it helps me learn. And it's helped me realize that I don't ever want to stop learning. I don't ever want to pursue, you know, having, they say we only use 10% of our brains. Well, I want to use more than that. Um, so it is, it has definitely been my everything for a very long time. Um, and I hope that it impacts everyone in the way that it impacts me. You know, if I, if I wasn't into photography, I wouldn't have gone to Cuba. I wouldn't have been able to share those stories with you and you and I may not be friends, right? If I hadn't gone to, if I hadn't gotten into photography and gone to Cuba and realized that I could run a marathon in Cuba, I wouldn't have just gone this past November to run the marathon in Cuba with one of my best friends from college that I lived in Australia with, which was my first international trip, right? So it it all comes full circle and it it does it allows you to or it allows me to connect in a way that I don't I would not be able to do without photography. It's beautiful. That's beautiful because again, it's for so many of us it's the way we experience the world and that's why I love talking to people like you and bringing your <laughs> stories of people like you um because it's how we how we all connect and I believe like I say, that there's a photographer in all of us. Uh, and and again, whether that's career, hobby, love, passion, lifestyle. Erica, thank you so much. I would love to let people know where they can see your work, follow you, um, find out more about the projects that you're doing, and just be inspired by all of the the beautiful images from landscapes, you know, to the night sky, to, um, to people, you know, all over the world. Thank you. Um, so you can find me at uh, ericarobinsonphoto.com. Uh, you can find me both on Facebook and Instagram as Erica Robinson Photo, and that's Erica with a C. Um, Yes. So in all of those places, you can find me. And I uh, thank you, Kenna, for, for putting this together, because if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be sharing our stories. And I wouldn't be able to hear all of these podcasts from some incredible photographers that you have on your cast. So um, thank you for putting this together, because you are doing your, your part in sharing all of this as well. Thank you. Thank you, Erica, so much. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye, Kenna. I'm Kenna Klosterman, and you've been listening to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. Follow all things Erica Robinson via her website, ericarobinsonphoto.com. Her social links are in the show notes. At Creative Live, we believe there's a creator and a photographer in all of us. And yes, that means you. If you're looking to get fresh perspectives, inspiration, or skills to boost your hobbies, business, or life, Head over to creativelive.com and check out the Creator Pass, a subscription that gives you access to over 1,500 classes taught by the world's top creators and entrepreneurs. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review We Are Photographers wherever it is that you get your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. You can stay up to date with everything happening here at Creative Live by following us on social media at Creative Live everywhere. Thank you again to Erica Robinson, and I'll see you all next week for another episode of We Are Photographers.